Fresh new haircut I spy? It is indeed. I got I just got I well I just got it this evening. The nice summer. It's a cool looking face. Yeah, a real short there on the sides, a little short on the top there. You go in saying I want to fade? Uh no, I just go in and Stacy just starts to cut my hair and I don't say anything. They always ask me what I want every time I go to anywhere and I say, I want this, but Shorter. Shorter. Just envision this yeah. significantly shorter. I want my hair cut. <laughs> Don't do anything that doesn't look like it would grow out to this. Yeah. Maybe we should say what the podcast is called. I can do that. This, friends, is Modern Dadhood. It's an ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, and general insanity of being a dad in this moment. <clears throat> Let me take a quick sip of this fiddlehead. Hold on. Oh, that hits the spot. My name is Mark Checkett, and I'm a I'm a dad, and I have twin boys who are five years old. And I'm Adam J. Flaherty, and I'm a dad to two girls, two amazing daughters who are nine and six. You don't have to say amazing. They're not here. I just want to pre-qualify things for any listeners who might be new and not just assume that mm-hmm. they're amazing because they are. Yeah, same. Yeah. Same. I mean, it's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. We say it all the time. The emotions as well. Some days you go up and you feel really good and you think, this is great. I'm happy. Everybody's happy. This is great. Then you crest that hill and you go down. So thanks to all of our listeners for choosing to spend a little bit of time with us here on Modern Dadhood. We like to remind everybody early on in the episode that uh, all of our episodes, if there's any that you haven't heard, you can go to our website, moderndadhood.com and find all of them there in the episode archive. You can search by name or topic. You can also find us wherever podcasts are. Such as? Apple Podcasts, Mm -hmm. Amazon Music, Stitcher, Spotify. Stitcher's going away. We got an email today. Stitcher's, they're sunsetting Stitcher. What I don't happens? even know who owns Stitcher. I don't know. Mm. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Uh, Spotify, wherever else you find podcasts, you can find Modern Dadhood. So please do take a moment to subscribe. Leave us a five star rating if you like the show and maybe a couple of kind words in a review. And I do want to remind everybody that this episode is a part two episode. That's uh, right. The second half of our conversation with privacy professional Mark Groman. You are very welcome to go back and listen to part one if you haven't heard that yet. It was a great chat about technology and privacy and all about his podcast called Their Own Devices. And if you listen to this episode first and then go back and listen to that episode, well, it'll be a little bit like watching a Christopher Nolan film for you then. So we will get into part two of our chat with Mark Groman soon, won't we? Yeah. Oh, dude, over the weekend, mm-hmm. several days ago, mm-hmm. you and I took a little jaunt down to uh, Beantown. We, we did. Went to Boston. We did. 
And we got to see somebody who's it was on our show recently, which doesn't always happen that we get to meet our guests in person. No, I mean, I, you know, I was thinking about that, too. I was thinking about in the history of the podcast, we're at 88 episodes. The guests that we've had that we've actually seen, some of them we've actually recorded in person, the, the great right. Kretschy. Great Kretschmar, yeah. Was a uh, was an in-person recording. Steve Levine, right? We got a chance to meet him and, and, and record in person. Right. Uh, but not a lot of our guests. We don't even get to like to see them, much less record with them in person. And yeah, we right. drove down in the Highlander to see none other than. Then our friend Dustin Nickerson, Dustin who was a great guest just Nickerson. two episodes ago. Uh, but he was great. He was hilarious. Uh, couldn't couldn't be nicer. We let him know we were going to be there uh, and got got to say hello to him before he jetted back off to the airport and really looking forward to the next time we get to see him. And for anybody who's who's like I did, just poured over all of his stand up content that's on YouTube. Everything that he was working on when Adam and I went to see him was sounded like all really new and really funny material. So I would say keep your eyes open for some uh, from for some new Dustin Nickerson stuff hitting the YouTube shelves in the near future. Do you mm. uh, recall? Would you like to share with the listeners where we left off in our amazing conversation? Part one with Mark Roman. I'd love to. I think where we left off was about how amplified things are and the connection like when you and I were kids and when Mark Roman was were kids passing notes in school for example that note might be intercepted by a teacher who then reads it to the class and it's embarrassing and it's maybe it makes your day or your month or something really terrible but it sort of fizzles and ends there because your class is only so big or your school is only so big but these days these days these days the kids <laughs> they're connected to so many other people through the devices and things get out of control. They get out of their hands and go so much further than perhaps they realize. And certainly uh, folks like me and you, maybe we sort of comprehend that amplification and and maybe it's something that we need to uh, learn more about, become more familiar with to help our kids. I think that's where I think it's about where we left off. One other question hit me. Do you ever send a sext? Ever Have sext I anyone? Ever sent yeah, you ever sext? sext anyone? Yeah. I think I can pretty safely say no. That's not a thing that I've ever done. Now, I've been married for quite a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I same. Even, I think I remember getting. I think I remember getting my first. It was a flip phone. It was a Samsung flip phone that had a camera on it. And you thought about some stuff, didn't you? Oh, some things crossed your mind. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, no, but I don't. I don't. I don't think I've ever sent a sext, even to my own lovely wife. Do you think she would appreciate it if you did, or do you think she'd be mortified? I think she would. Let me think of how, how my wife of I want to say sixteen years would think about a sext. I don't know. Let me just let me just do it now. It, how do you, <laughs> you're gonna take i thought you were gonna invite her in to ask her but no, no you're actually you've, you've taken out your phone okay yeah should i should it be a pic for my first ever sext, i think that I, should I, it I be think, words yeah, it's, a, it's a picture or is it, or is it just i was picture no words 
I was picturing a picture, but I wasn't picturing it in too much detail just to put your mind at ease a little bit. Thanks. I appreciate that. But would you send that to her thinking that it could possibly be seen by other people? A hundred percent. Would you assume that it would be seen by other people? Um, well, I mean, I'm a, I, I, I don't consider myself necessarily a paranoid person, but I do kind of once in a while, I, I, I sort of think like who else is just has access to like literally every single thing on my phone. Yeah. Cause there's, there's gotta be multiple entities that do. I think that would be enough to scare me from doing anything even remotely close to that, you know, like yeah. it's my phone, it's my stuff, but like, is it? Oh yeah. Who has access to that? Yeah. What, what, what about you, mister asking all the questions? Uh, uh-huh. um, uh, no, I've never sent a text. No. I mean, I've sent a text. I've never sent a sext. I see. Have you ever received a sext? Now that's a question. I don't believe I ever, ever have sent or received a sext message, <laughs> but I mean, like we're kind of old dorks. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like probably expected. All right. All right. Back to Groman. Roll tape. It'll be really interesting to see how in 20 or 30 years from now, our kids are ta- are talking to their kids about this stuff. I mean, obviously, we, we social media will be a completely different uh, uh, thing then. But I just think back to growing up what you know, I would I'm 40 years old, born in the early 80s. The Internet became a thing, you know, when I was an adolescent and my parents were a little bit on the older side when they had me. And so they never experienced the internet or really had interest in learning it alongside me. So I was figuring it out as I went with little, um, oversight. And I guess I just feel like we're, uh, the three of us included are in this sort of unique group that Mm -hmm. it was the wild west. There was not the level of communication around the dangers of it. Well, it's interesting. We spoke with some either older college students, so mid or, you know, like 22, 23, maybe 21, and even asking them, what do you wish you had known or what should have been done differently when you were handed your cell phone when you were 14? Hmm. And they had extraordinary insight. And, in, you know, when we spoke to these kids about, you know, looking back, I was not ready for a phone in seventh grade. That's when I made my mistakes. And my parents had no idea what I had access to, um, you know, not a clue about what the platforms were or that we were what we were sharing. And so. You can hear from kids about they wish they had had a little bit more of a guiding hand, a little more education um, and been able to talk to mom and dad instead of the parents tuning out or checking out when the kid says, you know, I'm on this app or on this platform. Because I think kids look back and do think um, I've heard many kids say, gee, I wish I had deleted TikTok sooner because yeah. um, I was spending six hours a day just going through these videos and man, did I waste time. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that about myself, you know, and, and my own usage, even if it's just LinkedIn or Instagram, it's the same. You think about how much time you've spent and it's, I think, wow, boy, I could have been <laughs> learning so much or been right. so much more productive or making more money or spending more quality time with my family. 
And again, I also, I know, you know, we could go on and on because there's so many issues, but I want to reiterate my belief that in general, there are many potential benefits and there's access to quality information. And for vulnerable teenagers and for minority groups, there could be access to data that they can't get from parents, right? For, for certain kinds of groups or teenagers looking for connections or important information, all of that is really beneficial, Yeah. but there's so much out there that presents potential negatives, injury, and harm. And so we really, it's incumbent on us to understand it. I'm also going to throw in one other point, because as you know, I live in D.C. Mm. This cannot be the simple responsibility of mom and dad or the parents. Industry must have responsibility for this. And in the United States, we do not have a comprehensive privacy law. Mm. We're the only democracy on the planet that does not have one. It's appalling and long overdue, nor do we have a comprehensive children's privacy law in this country that addresses this. And, you know, we need to place responsibility um, and, frankly, liability where it belongs, which is on the companies that produce the platforms and the content and code and build this. Um, and we have not done that. How how can you I mean, this is a, a loaded question, but in a country that is so absolutely divided in every possible way, how do you implement something overarching like that and get everybody to agree to it? The more general topic, which I'm working on now in full disclosure about general privacy, um, that's challenging and it may not be possible in the near term. But there are huge bipartisan groups that are working on issues around children's privacy and there's potential for it to move the problem is it tends to get derailed by other more you know pressing issues, which there are. But but at some point, you know, I think children's bills, privacy laws have been introduced in 10 Congresses. Mm-hmm. It is time to do some to actually pass one of these. Uh, and so that we have, you know, again, adequate balanced protections and regulations for our children online, because the science is there. Like we don't have to debate this any longer. It's got a dramatic potential impact, negative mental health impact on kids and they're being exploited in many ways, we need to have a law. Yeah. It can be so frustrating to witness the the pace at which we move towards action sometimes, you know, uh, when, when to your point, it's, it's, we're not waiting for results of some study or anything anymore. Right. I mean, we, we know where there are places that we should be uh, focusing, you know, um, and that's, I mean, that's going to continue, right? I mean, like there, there comes a point where, oh, well, conti- I mean, the, the inability to act in a timely way will continue yeah. and the pace of evolution, well, technology is just going to increase exponentially. Right. I mean, we've been talking mostly about social media platforms, but, um, I'm working on the metaverse, uh, virtual reality wow. and, yeah. um, increasingly artificial intelligence and machine learning. So if you think we're facing difficult issues now, you haven't seen anything yet. Right, right. And that's what I mean about this, this like seemingly exponential rate at which these things advance and grow and and change and come into our lives. I mean, we've sort of been talking. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about like like the device, which oftentimes is the 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 iPhone, you know, um, but. But these I mean, it's to your point with like video games. I mean, like kids play video games probably and have a a device that allows them to play video games way earlier in their lives than they might be given a phone. And are we are we are we thinking about that in the same way? Because we absolutely should be right. Because there is that (laughs) there's that connection. 
you know, and, right and there. here lies the rub for mom, for parents and why, you know, I'm an, I'm an expert and I couldn't keep up with it because, <laughs> you know, you have to understand the game console. Like yeah. to your, I mean, we could go on and on, but in other words, each game console comes with their own um, issues, parental controls. Every game console has um, interactivity. They all have sensors. Now they have cameras, they have microphones and you have the ability to play and interact with speak with strangers across the entire world. There are ways you can link it with uh, accounts. So you're buying things um, and linking it with other computers. And so, Right. This is not um, the Atari of 1980. Right. These are also um, supercomputers that are used for highly sophisticated interactive gaming mm-hmm. that can have great benefit. But we, the, the, for boys in particular, right, we had tons of issues with gaming and understanding the, how the consoles work and how the restrictions work, parental controls work. Can we limit certain kinds of games, limiting in-game purchasing, turning off features that allowed communicating with strangers. All of that was really important when he was yeah. younger. Not, and not to harp on this point too much, but it, it seems like in the general public discourse around, let's just say video games, for example, we kind of, fo- don't, we often focus on sort of maybe the wrong thing, you know, like the, the, the conversation we hear about probably maybe more than anything is like violence in video games is the, which, you know, okay, fine. That's a fine thing to discuss. Um, that's always been there that issues before video games, it was movies or music, you know, mm-hmm. before rock music, it was this kind of music, you know, it's mm-hmm. age there is a difference. Thing. There is a difference. Um, and this mm-hmm. is interesting. We, we had a lot of conversations about this. So the games now, particularly if you're in virtual reality or enhanced reality or a variation of that. So violence is not new, mm. but. Now you are in the position of being the one with the automatic machine gun and doing the killing and mowing down very real-looking human beings yeah. um, as opposed to, you know, 8-bit blips um, on uh, how I grew up, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it is highly realistic, and you have a gun-looking device in your hand, and to get points, you are killing. Maybe it's aliens, but in some games, it's you're killing people. Yeah. Um, and it's incredibly violent, very graphic. Mm-hmm. And so... There is a distinction when it's not just what you're watching. You're immersed in the violent experience. That's the point. And that may be great or not for adults. But if you hand that to an 11-year-old and expect that not to have an impact, you're you're in for a surprise. Yeah. You will. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how that's good for anybody to become desensitized to the idea Mm. of murdering somebody, especially when you can walk out your door and so easily acquire a tool to do that right in a world where tensions are so high that you may feel inclined to do that it's it's a recipe for disaster and again just to repeat we have three game consoles in my home we're you know and, and we're gamers um but for me it was very important to me as a dad and a parent to be watching what games my son wanted to play. Mm -hmm, And I'm the strict parent in the house, right? I'm a former federal prosecutor. So uh, I work with the NSA now, no surprise, like I'm strict dad. Mm -hmm. And I didn't care what the other 14 year olds were playing. You know, Grand Theft Auto was not, it was a Um, non-starter. And I was crystal clear. And I don't mean maybe when I say no, I mean, no. So I was paying attention to the games and not just the name of the game, but the next upgrade or iteration of it. To make sure that there's violence in games and, I'm, you know, some of it's fine, but, you know, in some games, right, I don't know if you know this and you will later, like you can 
buy hookers and you can make a, buy cocaine and do a drug deal yeah. inside the game. I mean, that's not even a new thing. Like that when yeah. we were in high school, you could do that in Grand Theft Auto, I think. Right. right. Yeah. But, yeah. but now the hookers look like hookers. <laughs> yeah. That's the, di- yeah, that's the difference. Yeah. That that's it's de- Yeah. I mean, and I, I just to, to clarify, like, I don't mean it's not a discussion worth having. Well, oh, no, I, I know. I you know. know what I mean? Like my concern is that it shadows other discussions that should be happening around the exact same, essentially, topic, right? And I feel like there's there's room to have both of these discussions, you know? So what we didn't talk about, which in some ways is great, because it often starts a conversation and it's the wrong question, which is, you know, how much screen time is okay for my eight-year-old, right? right? Yeah. It's the wrong question. Yeah. And, and when we talk about screens, I mean game consoles and the phone and the tablet, the iPad, now the TV, all of that, <laughs> right? It's, they're all screens, all screen time is not the same. And so it's not a matter of your kid needs to only have an hour or two or three. It's what is your kid doing online when they're at the screen? And it's not that all games are equally bad. It's that, you know, what kind of game is it? What is your kid doing? Do you understand it? And and guiding your kid to have, you know, the idea as dad is to guide my son to have the most benefits from this incredibly diverse, robust online world and try and minimize the harm and the risks of harm to the extent possible. Like that's what we're shooting for. And so it was never for us like an hour, two hours, three hours, but what are you doing? Where are you doing it? Who else is doing it with you? And then training him on certain things about permanence and things being public, um, I'm a very passionate person around location privacy. Mm-hmm. You could have a whole show on that because it's a very big deal because these apps are tracking our kids and allowing our kids to track other kids. And that's highly problematic. Jeez. But, you know, my kid wanted Snapchat. I did not let him have it for, for years after other kids had it. And then when he got it, the deal was you may not use Snap Maps. You can never, you cannot give your location out to all your friends. It's a feature that... I could go on for a long time about why that's not appropriate for 13 year olds. That was a thing that I learned from your show. Uh, that blew me away that that's a thing that exists at all. The problems that that can cause when you can see where everyone is, I mean, never mind like stalking the friend and showing up on their date to, you know, it's like, oh, you, you can actually look and see all your friends are at someone's house, but you're not. Right. Yeah. There's obviously there's the obvious sort of creepy implications to it. But then there's this whole host of other like, what is this doing to our our brains, our kids brains when they just they have this information, you know, it, 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 that is not a good thing for a 13 year old or 14 year old to, to be able to see where all my friends are on Friday night yeah. um, or wherever. Right. Hmm. The other thing I think about is um, and I know I, I want to keep this try to try to keep this centered on on privacy because it's your area of expertise, but obviously we're, we're talking some about social media here is when we were growing up, if I was curious about violence and carnage, I knew what video game I could go to and it, to get that. If I wanted to see a topless woman, I had to go looking for that online. Right. And now suddenly we're in a world where the most gruesome things that you can imagine just sort of fall into your lap online. You don't have to go looking for it. It's just there. So there's, I guess our kids have to develop thicker skin, you know, to just know. And we have to understand that they're going to be exposed to things that we don't want them to see long before we're ready to have conversations about it. That's completely right. And you could unpack that for hours and look at technology issues, company issues, liability issues, 
around that. Um, I, 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 again, want to point back to Silicon Valley and companies and say they need to be doing a better job on platforms, mm-hmm. um, particularly when they know there are kids there. And let me be clear, they know. Like, they know who's there and, and being able to have age-appropriate content and tools that, that effectively work. But at the end of the day, we're going to have to prepare our kids for what they're going to see uh, online and engage with. And that covers everything from cyberbullying and hate speech and racism and, you know, white supremacy to pornography, behaviors like um, self-harm and being equipped to, at at a minimum, flag it and and know when to ask about it or to be alarmed or concerned um, about, about what you're engaging with. And then I'll harp on another piece that this is the most difficult one for me in many respects going forward is training not just our children, but all people in America that so much of what you're going to see is not true. Good, Lord, And yeah. it's more difficult than you think, because it's, I don't mean simply that if you read an article that says the sky is green, you should know that the article may not be true and you want to check sources, right? Mm-hmm. I still have to tell my kid, YouTube is not a source, mm-hmm. right? Who said it in what video, right? Yeah. You can't footnote the internet. It was the web. Mm-hmm. So training them about learning about sources is just the beginning because in this new world of ours with machine learning and AI, there is so much out there that is fake and false, right? Deep yeah. fakes. And it, you know, it may actually look like an authoritative source, but it will not be. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to all have to grapple with this. And there is just, to be, there is no answer right now. Yeah. And I know there's no answer. I'm working with the best of the best and, you know, Content moderation online is something we don't know what to do about. Right. Just because somebody has 5 million subscribers doesn't make them an authority on oh the subject matter. It yeah. means that they have found the way to optimize their content mm-hmm. to get people to watch it. Yeah. But even worse is, you know, so let's get beyond that and say, okay, let's maybe they are an expert, right? But you may be watching a video of the expert saying something and it may not be the expert. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And so right. there's so many components to this. You know, we saw this play out in the election in 16 with state actors trying to manipulate Americans with false posts, false information, repeating things that were, were not true. So we're going to have to train our children to approach things like in the real world, but online in particular with a healthy degree of skepticism. And, you know, that's bad for e-commerce and Silicon Valley doesn't want to say this over and over because their whole thing is trust the internet because we want you to be there and buy there. But the fact is we're entering a world where um, it's going to be very difficult to trust sources uh, going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Things like building up a sense of skepticism, critical thinking, you know, just uh, just building up the mechanism in our kids to understand uh, like their uh, their bullshit meter. Mm-hmm. You know what I yeah. mean? Like there's, there, there are fundamental things that I feel like we got to start as early as we can to help our kids understand when, if something's not feeling quite right, then there's a high probability that it's not right. That's and correct. yeah. I and mean, you got to really consider at that, at that moment. Here again, you know, there are some laws in place around loosely speaking defamation and, and liable and fraud, but they just, they don't go far enough. They don't apply. Mm-hmm. They're difficult to enforce. Uh, and so we're going to need um, to explore things, regulation and laws around this and start contemplating things about liability um, and not just letting entities off the hook. It's, you know, 
I, I realized like, okay, so TikTok didn't make the video that incited the riot, mm-hmm. but they did use an algorithm to disseminate it. Oh yeah. It's a difficult question. And I'm not advocating certain changes here or there, but we need to rethink through um, how we apportion or think about liability when the consequences are, are dramatic or can be dramatic. There are also resources out there. There are some great websites and places to go for parents, like there's Common Sense Media and there's FOSI, the Family Online Safety Institute, and the Federal Trade Commission has things, and Children's Hospital, uh, based in, in Boston, has an entire center on this. And so it's not about, okay, I have to go download everything and learn it. Yeah. There are resources for parents that can guide us and summarize the key things that we want you to know, that you should know about a given platform or device. What does it allow your kid to do? Are there ways to control it? And so those are always uh, a good place to start, particularly if this is very new to you. And then also pick up the darn device, like Learn to use your own privacy and security settings on your iPhone, right? You can turn off some tracked advertising, go to your device settings and turn off the tracking and and make sure those basics at least you have. I do wonder, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot since your season one of your podcast, your son is now three or four years older. How old Mm -hmm. is he now? Is he coming up on 18? Okay. So do you feel that, you know, he has a pretty good gauge on the topic of privacy and, and, you know, his own ability to sort of protect himself in that way? I, I think he does. Um, I feel pretty good. I mean, I don't monitor anything any longer. Hmm. Um, and I know that was a topic and, and I think it changes as with, it's different for different kids and it changes with age, but you know, at this point uh, I'm not monitoring. I will tell you that um, on his phone is an app called life 360 and I'm more, which is tracks location and speed because frankly, at this moment in time, I'm more concerned about his driving than his web surfing. Mm. <laughs> right. And so, you know, and he knows it's on there. I'm, I'm not a believer in surreptitious tracking of kids. I believe in tracking them, but they need to know. Uh, and so, you know, that's a mobile app that we're using. So I, you know, generally know that, you know, if he says he's at Bobby's house and he's somewhere else. But again, like we had a conversation about this, about why we're doing this. And yes, it's there. Um, I would never put it on his phone personally without telling him that. But I, I do think that he's heard from me enough. And it does, by the way, that does not mean he doesn't do dumb shit. Like he's a teenager. <laughs> That's part of being a teenager, mm-hmm. right? I did plenty of it. It's yeah. just that, you know, I grew up in the 80s and there weren't, you know, if we had cell phones with cameras and microphones recording what I did as a teenager, I never would have gotten my security clearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there you go. Mm-hmm. You yeah. do dumb things as a kid. You're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you try and guide them. And I, I, he does pretty good. It's a topic for a conversation for another time, but it it also raises this this idea of we can teach our kids about privacy in terms of being aware of pri- their privacy in relation to the world. But also they're going to want some privacy from you, too. Absolutely. And they need that. Right. You can't grow up without it. For me, I remember, even though it's a long time ago, being a teenager and wanting that privacy. Right. And that opportunity to, let's just say, make a few mistakes as a 16-year-old. But, you know, one topic we haven't talked about, it's much harder as a kid now. Like, for reasons I won't go into, I have, you know, ring doorbells and cameras on the front and back of my home. Mm -hmm. So he can't enter and exit surreptitiously. Or I may be away. And, you know, when I was in high school, if my parents went away, I had 50 kids over. He cannot do that without me not knowing. Because there are cameras in the front and the back. And frankly, on my neighbor's homes, too. Um, I think that's horrible. Hmm. I hate the fact 
that I have a ring doorbell. I hate the product, but I need to, we need to have it. Mm. But there are sensors everywhere. These kids live in a sensor world of cameras and microphones in the bathroom, in the locker room, everywhere. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Um, we've seen a lot from uh, the Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, on uh, social media usage and recommendations and loneliness. And I think that the all of these, they're such big topics, but they're things that we need to be thinking about and need to be mindful of and need to be talking about with our kids. And if our tiny podcast can help contribute to inspiring conversations and turning people onto your podcast where they can learn so much more from, you know, real professionals about it, then, um, you know, I, I get a little bit of gratification about that, but it's been a real pleasure talking to you. And I feel like I've, I've learned so much and it, it just has me thinking about so many things. It's a great conversation. I'm glad you're, you're launching it. Um, I think that dad's really, we all really need to like lean in and engage on this for our kids because they can't navigate it without us. Thank you, Mark, for for joining us for the conversation for the the podcast. I I mean, I'm, I'm going to say it again to our audience. Check it out. It, it's enlightening. Uh, it's helpful. It's fascinating. Um, and it's a great place to, to begin to start thinking about this if if this is not something that you're you're thinking about yet great well thank you again and uh, i look forward to continuing to listen to to you guys um hey before we jump in to a recurring segment um you remember you remember past guest i'm gonna give you his stage name mr boo daddy i do remember our friend jeff fyans yes well jeff fyans He's got this whole professional career, but then on the side, he does this really fun thing where he makes music for kids. Something I can, I can vibe with, right? Cause I make music for kids. He's a little bit more produced than I am. He also markets his things a little bit, but I just wanted to tell our listeners that he released a new song in honor of father's day, which is called no shirt like my daddy. And I just want to encourage our listeners to go check it out. We're going to leave a link in the show notes to uh, previous guest Jeff Fyans side music project, which is called Mr. Boo Daddy. And he's, he's dropped a new track that I think our listeners are going to find kind of fun and, and interesting. Okay. What do we got? Um, got a recurring segment. Let's do your instant regret. We haven't done one of those in a while. There's a catchy theme. Let's do my instant regret. Let me set the stage before I say to our listeners what it is I said to one of my kids, because of all the instant regrets that we've maybe talked about in this one, this one really, truly falls into the category of just immediate, like, and serious, just like regret. But this is, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this will show, I mean, you know, I'm just a person. Okay. Like I have my, I have faults. Okay. You are, but a man. <laughs> well, yeah. well aware of this. Yeah. Okay. So uh, a few weeks ago, my wife uh, had taken a, a trip, a girl's trip down to Florida, see some old friends for a while. So me and the boys here, we were, we were just a bunch of boys hanging while mommy was gone. 
So I was doing a fair amount of juggling. And the one night I'm sitting right here at my desk and I'm just banging away on the keyboard, trying to get a few things done. My kids are, are home and, and they're sort of starting to get a little stir crazy because I've kind of ignored them for a few minutes. You know how this happens. And um, one of my sons in particular tends to really overreact. Like it'll be like uh you know, he, he can't get his sock on and he will scream as if somebody's stabbing him in the eye, right? Mm-hmm. With a hot poker, right? So, and that just happens at such frequency, uh, so many different instance occasions that uh, my wife and I both are a little bit numb to it, right? So when we hear the blood curdling scream, we don't often, it's a little bit of the boy who, who cried wolf sort of scenario. We don't often go running because usually when we go running, it's he's sitting on the floor trying to get a sock on. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not an emergency. So back to I'm panging away on the keyboard right behind me, right here right to, <laughs> over my left shoulder. I hear a scuffle and it's like a, that's my Lego. No, it's my Lego. I had it first kind of typical, you know, scenario. And then I hear the pitter patter of one kid sort of chasing the other kid, which all of these things are very normal. And so I'm logging it in my brain while I'm trying to finish the thing. And I I figured like maybe it'll blow over and then I won't even have to talk to them about it Mm because these things happen often. The the pitter patter sort of turned into like a scuffle sound, which turned into a thud sound and then turned into a blood curdling scream sound. Okay. All of which I still do not turn around to acknowledge. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But then. It's an important email, right? Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, yeah, I just want to get done with the thing so I that I can it. really devote my attention. That's really what I want to do. I really want to devote all of my attention because it's the end of the day. And I'm just like, God, guys, let me get through this thing. After that happens, the blood curdling scream is happening behind me. And my other son kind of quickly runs up and sits next to me in the chair next to me and sort of curls up with like a, with like a sneer on his face. And when I saw that, that's the signal to me that. He definitely did something to the other (laughs) son who might actually be hurt. Okay. So I turn around and what I see is my son, my other son, he's standing up, leaning over, and there is blood everywhere. He had fallen. My other son pushed him. I don't think with the intention to, I really want to hurt my brother. Just he's being a dick. I'm going to be a dick back to him. Pushed him. He tripped and of the way that he describes it, because I didn't see it, was he fell against the doorknob of the front okay. door, nose first. So just bleeding and he's crying and he's like salivating, which makes it seem like there's really a lot more blood than than there than there really was. Sure. But in that instance, I panicked probably more than I've maybe ever panicked as a parent. Cause it really freaked me out. It was a, a blood everywhere stream of blood going down to his hand, which was coated in blood and blood all yeah. over the floor. It was quite a scene. So I kind of, I don't even know what I said, but I jump out of my chair. I look at him. I pick him up. I whisk him into the, the bathroom where there's much better lighting. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to, tend to I'm really trying to figure out what's wrong because I don't know that it's a nosebleed I haven't heard the story yet that he hit the doorknob and it looks terrible to me so I'm trying to clean him up and get the story he is sobbing can't get words out meanwhile my other son 
is really pecking at me. And I don't know. I don't, I didn't mean to do it. And screaming like kind of, he's, he's probably scared Uh as well. He's nervous. He's worried. And I had a really hard time in that moment to Uh really giving both of them the attention, the attention that they deserve. And I was mad, you know, because I'm a human being. Everything was elevated. And I, I turned and I said to him, Oh no. In a very loud voice. I said, I need you to get out of here. I can't even look at you right now. Oh, Mark. I know. <laughs> oh, Mark. And I said it. And I really, bastard. when I said it, I really meant it. You know, I really like, I really meant it. And he could tell, he could tell. And he immediately burst into tears. So I open the bathroom door, usher him out, slam the bathroom door so that I can turn back to my other son who is still bleeding everywhere. Yeah. So I finally get him cleaned up, realize it's really just a bloody nose. And he was within an, within an hour. Fine. You yeah. know, no lasting damage. Not even a, not a single mark, but he's now on the couch and he's just holding the, the, the tissue on his yeah. face and trying to, and, uh, and that gave me enough time to figure out exactly how I was going to approach my other son <laughs> and apologize and own up to the fact that I, I was angry and I let my emotions get the best of me. And sometimes yeah. that happens, but damn, did I ever, even in, um, as the words were coming out, I heard myself saying it and thinking, oh, man, you really sound like such a dick. At this yeah, moment. and of course I'm kidding. You're not a bad dad. Like th- these things happen, and you know kids are resilient. And when you talk, when you follow up with them the way that I'm sure you did, it's not gonna, it's not going to permanently damage him. But yeah. I wonder in the moment. Sometimes I have things like that happen, but is something comes out as a series of words when really what I was trying to say was something else. So like in that mm. moment, were you, did you mean to say exactly that? Or were you trying to say like, I can't deal with you right now? You know what I mean? It was that sort of the, it was, it was, it was a little bit of like, I, I need you to get off. Cause it was literally, he was physically like trying to yeah. get my attention and you know, I had a more pressing thing to deal with. So it was a little bit of like, dude, get off me. Yeah. And a little please bit of, fuck off for a few minutes. Yeah, we're in <laughs> we're in the smallest room in the house right now. Yeah. You know, I need a little bit of space. And I was seriously pissed because I still didn't know at that moment yeah. how bad if 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 you know how bad the injury was, whatever. You know. Um and so I was which is a very weird thing. I don't know if parents of like multiple kids ever get into that that scenario where you have this you've there, they're both your kids, but there's still this animal sort of instinctual thing that happens where when one is hurt and even, and if it's because of the other one, you're like, you're sort of fending off the predator. The, the, yeah. Like the <laughs> yeah, one that, totally. even though yeah, it's your yeah, yeah. other yeah. kid, you know, it's right. this weird and you feel that when it's happening and it's, it, very, it's like, it, it is instinctual. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy. Very hard to put words to it. It is super interesting that what instincts kick in like that animalistic kind of. Yeah. Instincts. Yeah. But I, I, I said, I said, I need you to get out of here. I can't even look at you right now, but it was loud <laughs> the way that yeah. I said it was loud. And it was really like, cutting and hurtful the way that I said it. Yeah. Oh, sorry that happened. 
when you talked to him about it, what did he, what did he, he was very mad. He was very mad at me. I think we all went to bed that night, friends, you know? Yeah. Uh, but when I went to talk to him, he was arms crossed, serious grimace, you know, and, and mad at me. Uh, and he let me know it. <laughs> yeah. Um, an instant regret. You feel terrible about it, but you know, I think in my non-expert opinion, it sounds like you followed up the right way. And as long as you hand, handle them with empathy and give them the attention they deserve, then that's life. True. True. Instant regret and still regret. All right. I'm going to tear through some of this closing stuff because we're going to have another long episode on our hands. And that's just the way it is. This just, yeah, it is just the way it is. Just like that song. Dads and moms listening. Thank you for coming back for part two of our chat with Mark Groman. Uh, It was a great episode. I think this, this, two-part series mark i think is one of my uh favorites of ours agree dads and moms you can uh, find modern dadhood just as a reminder on apple podcasts amazon music stitcher spotify you can also find modern dadhood on instagram on facebook on LinkedIn. Just look, all, look for us on all the places. We're out there. Uh, please do subscribe and leave us a rating and a review wherever you listen. That would be a huge help for us. Also, please tell a friend about the show this uh, this 4th of July. If you're getting together with friends, shooting off some sparklers, uh, mention Modern Dadhood. Mention that you like it and uh, maybe they would start listening too. That would be a dream come true for Mark Checkett and me. Yeah. Oh, oh and um, listen, hey, point the fireworks away from your face for please. God's sake. This year. Thanks. You can purchase t-shirts and hoodies uh, on the on the website. Um, they come with a sticker, a free sticker. They ship all apparel ships with a free sticker. While you're on the website, you can uh, you can contact us through the form on the website, or you can email us at hey at moderndadhood.com. You can tell us to just just pound sand if you want. You can also give us a, give us some ideas for some new topics. We're always looking to explore uh, new topics. I want to say thank you to Casper, Baby Pants, and Spencer Albee for the for the theme music that you hear on the show. When we're gonna flip things around, can you see, can you see what I'm doing? I'm flipping things uh-huh, around. Uh-huh. I want to say thanks to Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio uh, for uh, making us sound delicious. He does all the hard work. I'd like to say thank you to Mark Groman for spending so much time with us, for his wisdom, for his insight, and for giving us so much to think about and explore with his podcast, which I I, I recommend to all of our uh, all of our listeners to to check out the show Their Own Devices. And lastly, Adam, is there anything you'd like to say? Thank you for listening. Oh, I felt like I was in a movie theater just then. 